Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. And a warm welcome to all the people watching us on our Facebook live stream. We've been doing this now for a couple of months. Uh, People seem to like it. I enjoy doing it. So we'll keep it going. Um, I also want to send out a big, big, big thank you to all the people who came out uh, last week to uh, my new group, the Conscious Business Collective. We had, I think, 21 people there. It was a tremendous a tremendous uh, meeting. Everyone loved it. Uh, we're going to keep going. The next one will be on October 20th. Uh, I'll be posting that one soon. If you want to learn all about it and uh, come to the next one, just go to the Meetup website, meetup.com, and do a search for Conscious Business Collective, and you'll find out all about it. Of course, now it's time for our quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the Universe and from Abraham to kick us all off. I know you've been waiting all week long since our last show to see what the quotes of the day would be today. Let's see what the Universe and Abraham have in store for us today. All right, and just a quick big thank you to Jane, Orna, and Gregory for uh, listening in on the Facebook live stream. Also, don't forget, if you're listening on the Facebook live stream, if you put a comment in there, I can see the comments, so you can ask a question of either me or my guest and we'll get to my guest momentarily first from the universe when you visualize a great dream of yours coming true what do you imagine do you see yourself jumping up and down doing the happy dance looking into the sky and shrieking thank you thank you thank you can you feel the skin on your face stretch as you smile from ear to ear? Or the palm of your hand sting as you slap more high fives? Can you feel your fingers dialing your best friend's telephone number? Yeah, I think you should. Very should. The universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Having a little fun with us today, reminding us all about visualizing our dreams coming true. And, you know, I always, and there's something we talked about last week at the meeting, I always like to say when you're visualizing your dreams coming true, make it sexy, make it juicy, make it something, you know, with all shapes and sizes and colors and smells and tastes, you know, but but make it a really thick tapestry of great stuff. Um, And that's, you know, some of the most powerful visualizations. The more detailed we get, the more powerful they are. And uh, hey, Gregory, thank you. Um, And let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. If you are feeling a shortage of time or money, your best effort would be to focus upon better feeling thoughts and do more things that make you feel good. Your time is a perceptual thing, and even though the clock is ticking the same for everyone, your alignment affects your perception as well as the results that you allow. 
As you observe the enormous differences in the effort that people apply and the results they achieve, you have to conclude that there is more to the equation of achieving than action alone. Mm. A really great quote from Abraham and one that we tend to talk a lot about in the different quotes we get from Abraham about the difference between, you know, action and lining up your energy. And in this society, we tend to be so action focused. Do, 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 do. And while, yes, nobody ever denies that action is important, but what Abraham says all the time, and, and I'm a big believer in this, that if we take the time to line up our energy with what it is we're trying to achieve, with our dreams, our hopes, our goals, with the things that, that um, you know, just light us up, with the things that make us feel great, that that process of aligning ourselves to the energy does so much more than the action alone and that when you line yourself up and you see and again as as the universe just chided us before about visualizing and that's one of the great ways to line up our energy is actually visualizing what it is we want to see happen that when we line up with it, we're naturally going to start moving in that direction. We're naturally going to be drawn to it. It's like a magnet pulling us forward. And that when you take action from a place of alignment, the smallest action can have the biggest repercussions. But if you're not aligned, you could be taking action after action after action, and it's going to be like swimming uphill, and you're not really going to get that far, and you're not really going to achieve nearly as much as you can by lining up the energies first. And so that's why Abraham says that when you focus upon better feeling thoughts and doing more things that make you feel good, because when we feel good, we're in a better place. You know, in some parlance, we're saying our vibration is higher, our frequency is higher. It's all bringing us closer to our heart's desire. And and we only get closer when we're feeling more alive when we're feeling better in our skin when we're feeling you know more in tune with what it is we're trying to manifest and create so you know this is a really a big one and i don't want you guys to take it lightly and maybe you've heard me talk about this before but i'm going to keep drilling this into you because of how important this is that any kind of lack in your life the surest way to get through it, past it, dissolve it, and, and get to that place of abundance and prosperity by lining up the energy, by feeling good, by visualizing all this juicy stuff that's going to happen, and then take action. Don't go out and be do, 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 do if you're not being in alignment. And again, there's that big reminder that we're human beings, not human doings. So let's be in alignment before we start taking action. So two wonderful, amazing uh, quotes that are very much in alignment with each other. And I think actually pretty uh, good for the guests that we have today. And believe it or not, I have on my show Barbara Walters. Okay, now this is one of the biggest whoops names out there. However, this is Barbara Walters president of hr advantage not barbara walters the anchor woman from tv so i just want to make that clear 
But Barbara Walters is as powerful a woman in her own right. Uh, my Barbara Walters. So she's, I'm, going to tell, I'm calling her mine Barbara Walters. I'm owning her from now on. Okay, everyone? So Barbara Walters is president of the HR Advantage and is an executive coach and a management trainer who brings 25 years of corporate human resources experience to help companies become more profitable through creating a culture of respect and inclusion in the workplace and improving the quality and performance of their people. She has been a senior recruiter for one of the largest international search franchises as well as vice president of human resources in an earlier role she worked as a director of training and organizational development in both a union and non-union environment serving as the head of harassment investigation committee for uh, for 13 years wow barbara is also the author of the forthcoming book your employees did what Seven Strategies for Transforming Workplace Performance and Ending Manager Frustration. It's a guide for people who need to get work done through other people. And I am very pleased that she's here joining us today on the Conscious Consultant Hour. Welcome, Barbara. Welcome to you, too, for inviting me. Ah, thank you so much. Ooh, ooh, Quan, welcome to the Facebook live stream. And Danielle, thank you for listening in today. Um, yeah, my pleasure to have you. Now, you're quite uh, an accomplished woman. You've been around the block, as they say. Um, I've also worked in union and non-union shops, so I know that there's a big difference in those environments. Uh, I'm curious, what uh, early on in your career sort of led you to focus on human resources? You know, that's not an area that, you know, a lot of people tend to make as a goal in their life. Um, so I'm curious how you ended up in that role. Well, that's a great question, and I didn't start out as a human resources person. I was actually a journalist and a writer. Ah, a journalist. <laughs> so that name came in handy in right. the beginning, huh? <laughs> well, what happened is um, I would go to a party or I would meet people on the street, and everybody would ask me, how do you get published? Mm. It seems that a lot of people have a story they want to tell. Yeah, yeah. And I had an idea to put together a continuing education program, mm -hmm. which I offered to the school district that I was living in. Okay. And by surprise, they offered one class, and they had enough people show up for three classes. Wow. So as a community, we started doing some writing. Okay. And what I discovered is two things. Number mm -hmm. one, having to face these people week after week and give them more and more information about writing mm -hmm. actually propelled me in my writing career and I had to keep stretching and challenging uh. myself. But the other thing is that I discovered that I liked engaging with people a lot more than sitting at home at my computer and writing all day long. <laughs> so yeah. I went back to school and I got uh, a couple of degrees in, in different uh, roles and training and organizational development I and in see. industrial counseling. Ah, industrial counseling. Interesting. So did you oh, think we're getting, I, I'm telling you, we're getting tons of thumbs up likes on Facebook and stuff. People really like you. Um, so uh, did you ever publish a book? You have an upcoming book. Have you published a book before since you have that writing background? Yeah. Well, I had, I was part of a photo journal of the, um, Paraly uh, Paralympic Games. Oh, okay. But all of my other work was articles and poetry and stories. Oh, okay. And did you, once you started your HR career, and you've had a long HR career, did you keep writing kind of in the background? Were you still writing articles here? 
in there or did you really kind of put it to the side? Well, by necessity, having three children and working full time, there wasn't a lot of time for, especially and going to school at night. Oh, wow. There wasn't a lot of time for writing, but I did a lot of developmental writing in training programs. Okay, right. Yeah, because when you're in human resources and you're doing stuff like that, you have to write curriculums, Mm -hmm. you have to come up with stuff. Wow. I'm curious. You've been in this kind of arena for 25 years. I'm sure you've seen massive, massive changes in how uh, in just even the role of HR from where it was when you started to where it is now. What before we go to break, just what's one really big change that that you see have happened over your career? Well, I think political correctness has become uh, uh, a buzzword, and we used to call HR departments the personnel department, so that right. gives you uh, an idea right away that things have changed. We talk about humans now, you know. Yes, yeah. But um, probably the biggest change is the way that people are aware of how to behave in the workplace mm. and what organizations need to do to educate their people. Right, right, right. Yeah, we're much more conscious of of our behavior and what's considered acceptable and not acceptable compared to before. Yeah, I think uh, Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill did a lot uh, (laughs) to educate people. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk a a bit more about that, about, uh, you know, give some good advice and, and talk about what things are like now in the workplace and, you know, why it's important to bring sort of more consciousness to our behavior in the workplace, both as an employee and as a manager. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Barbara Walters. And of course, if you'd like to call in and ask your own questions, our call-in number is 877-480-4120. We'll be back after these messages. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And welcome. 
Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with human resource expert Barbara Walters. Yes, not the Barbara Walters. I know that's what you're all thinking, but she is the Barbara Walters, right? I mean, that's your real name, right? It sure is. I was born with it. Born with it. And? Married it. And married it as well. But I have to say, I also divorced it. Oh. (laughs) So you've done everything with this name. Yes. Wow. Um. So now, now you were in human resources for about how many years? Oh, Jay, um, twenty. About twenty years, mm-hmm. and and you've been now kind of on the other side of the fence as sort of a human resource consultant and executive recruiter for about how long? Uh, my business has been eight years. Eight years, okay. And why did you decide to hop the fence? Well, um, I. I saw that in the workplace there were a lot of things that were happening that were outside of my control. Ah, okay. And human resources recently has become much more of a strategic player in organizations. But Ah, at that time, we were more of a support role. Right. And holistically, I saw that there were problems that I thought I knew what the solutions were, but I didn't have the authority to influence the big decision makers. Ah. So this way, I'm my own master, and my boss is very good to me. <laughs> That's good. I have a very tough boss myself, but <laughs> um, and 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 because of your experience, I take it that the people actually listen to you now. Yes, and well, my husband has been a tremendous support and really encouraged me to do it Uh, and he said with all of the experience and the credentials you really can go in and help a lot of people this way right okay wonderful wonderful so so what do you think uh, managers and and your experience mostly is in um working with larger organizations sort of corporate organizations or or have you worked with startups and small companies small companies mid-sized companies oh okay all right cool Cool. So what do you think is sort of the, 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 the elephant in the room that around, uh, you know, employee manager relations today that most people aren't talking about that they really need to um, bring a little more awareness to? Mm-hmm. Well, I like to think that there are probably two most critical um, opportunities mm-hmm. for managers and employees equally. Okay. Uh, the first is what I call 100% responsibility. Mm. What I find a lot when I go into an organization is a lot of finger pointing and a lot of uh, blaming and justifying of behavior. Right. On both sides. On both sides. Yes. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me that you don't resolve the issue when you're busy blaming other people. Right. So I I use, I have a, a, both a personal and a professional example that I use, but uh, the personal one's easy for everyone to understand. You have a young couple, uh, the husband works, the wife stays home and takes care of the baby. Mm-hmm. The, uh, come Saturday, the wife has to go out and do errands and the husband has to watch the baby and the husband says, no, I'm watching a ball game today. And the mm-hmm. wife says, no, we have to work this out. Just watch the baby, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. He said, well, hurry back. Well, when she comes back, the baby is sitting on the floor in the kitchen with a bunch of detergent granules on its face and all around it and the husband is in the living room shouting at the at the game so what do these two people do (laughs) they start screaming at each other of course you know you told me you'd be back right away well you know i have to go and do these errands what should these people be doing they should be addressing the baby right 
Yeah, at the very least, washing its mouth out, calling right. the uh, healthcare line and find out what to do, take right. the child to the hospital. But see, a, an example like that, everybody knows the answer. But when you talk to people in business, <laughs> they don't get that the problem that they're pointing their fingers and blaming each other about, you know, I have a, a boss who's the boss from hell, or I have an employee that I inherited with this job that I don't really like. Right. Well, those are just excuses. Right. 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 And, and taking 100% responsibility is kind of tough. And, and it's interesting that, that you, 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 we start off with that because it, it's some of the same things I say to people just as a coach all the time is that, you know, whether you're talking about your personal life or your business life or, or, or any aspect of your life, if you're not taking 100% re- responsibility, then you're playing the victim. And when you're playing the victim, then you have no power to change the situation. And you can only really change if you're willing to take responsibility for what's going on. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, a lot of times people will tell me, but it's not my fault. You know, it's not my right. fault. Well, I'm not saying that it's your fault. Right. 100% it's not about respons- blame. That's right. It's not about credit either. Right. It's about let's take care of what needs to be done now. And then afterwards, we can look back on it and decide what would we do differently next time? Right. How do we prevent this from happening again? Right. Right, because I guess the whole idea is if you're in a workplace together, right, you're supposed to have sort of a common goal. I mean, you're you're going, you're either producing a product or providing a service or doing something, and like that's the mission of the company. And if everybody isn't really in alignment, right, what we talked about in our quotes today, Perfect. if you're not in alignment with that mission, then the the customer who is purchasing the product or service is not getting a good product or service and you're not going to be in business very long. Yeah, I, I talked to teams I'm using a metaphor similar to what you just said is that if we were all climbing a mountain and we were tethered together by a tow rope, right. it yeah. wouldn't matter if somebody else slipped and fell and started going down the mountain. We would all get pulled with it. Right. Maybe, right. maybe just a tug, but we're all connected in that way. Mm-hmm. And that working together to resolve the issues will uh, not only create more success for everybody, but impact your customer too. Right. So, so do you find people call someone like you into their organization when uh, there's some kind of problem where they're having to deal with it? Usually, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting when, when people ask me about like giving them an example of somebody that I might coach. Uh-huh. Uh, typically what I'm working with more and more lately are people who don't recognize the impact that their words and actions mm-hmm. have on other people. Okay. So you can have like a very successful salesperson who brings in an inordinate amount of business to an organization, mm-hmm. but everybody in the department hates working with them, you know, mm-hmm. because they just don't see what their impact is. Right. So a lot of times I'll get called in by somebody who's not the person to be coached. Ah. But somebody who says, we have a problem here. Right. Uh, we, we're successful, but we could be even more successful. Right, right, right. And, um, and, and do you find that, that the, the problems you get called in for, like they're usually the same set of a handful in, in terms of categorization, same, it's basically all the same kinds of problems, you know, like of a, a certain set, or are they just wildly different most of the time? Well, there is a category of communication that, ah. that creates a lot of problems. So I think that in the workplace and in relationship in general, yes. most misunderstandings come from miscommunication. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
uh, but for managers or people who supervise other people, uh, the hard, the difficult conversation is letting people know when they're not meeting the expectation and when they're yes. not doing what you had hoped they would do or what you need them to do. So we call uh, feedback the breakfast of champions. <laughs> ah, okay. If you don't let people know, if you don't hold a mirror up to them, if you don't communicate right, where right, they right. missed, how could you expect them to improve? Right, exactly. And, and the same is true whether you're talking about a marriage, you're talking about a business, or you're talking about any kind of community where people are working together. They, you know, you need... The, the, the flow of communication is sort of the most important thing because it's so easy to miscommunication to happen. It's so easy for people to misinterpret because we all sort of see things through our own filters, right? Exactly. So something happens, you can talk to, something happens in the workplace. You can probably talk to five different employees. You'll get five different um, takes on what happened, right? Of course, per people's perspective. And we find in today's workplace, you have so much more diversity. Yeah. This is the first time in recorded history, Sam, that we have four generations in the workplace together. Really? Four generations? Yeah. Oh, so what you wow. have is people whose needs and whose reasons for being at work might be different. Very different, yeah. You have cultural diversity. Mm -hmm. And plus we have all of this... Um, legislation that tells us how we're supposed to behave mm. when people come to the workplace with a perspective that's very different right. than what the law requires of them. Right, right. And especially if that goes against their culture. Mm -hmm. Like some people coming from a more conservative culture, they come to a technology company where it's a very sort of open and liberal kind of corporate culture. That clash can make it very difficult. That's one of the reasons that we like to use a pre-employment assessment. Ah. It's a guide. You would never make a, a decision solely on a computer test, mm -hmm. but it's a guide for the hiring people to know how well someone's going to fit in their environment. Right, right. Do you work with the an, uh, any of the different personality testing types mm -hmm. like DISC and MBTI and stuff like that? I do work with, I am certified in DISC, and one of the other oh, okay. ones I use is the Achiever, and I, I, that's my preference. Oh, okay. And, and, and why do you find those helpful? Well, the, the Achiever particularly, DISC is, I use for a different purpose. Okay. But the Achiever is used to give you the aptitude and attitude of a candidate. Uh, so you not only find out whether they have the skills to do the job, but whether they'll fit in with your workplace. And whoever's going to manage them, whether they have the skills to help them where they're weak. Yeah, it's, yeah, I see. So so it's it's not just about like finding the right candidate because there's no one perfect candidate for any job, right? Mm -hmm. We all have good points and bad points and we all need work on different aspects, but it's 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 also, you know, having the right manager to work with the person that, you know, because if the manager has the same weaknesses that this new employee has, you're not going to really help anyone. That's right. You you got that 100% actually. The the whole benefit there uh, is to see what type of management the person's going to need. So if two people are vulnerable in the same area, like mm. let's say they're both disorganized, right. well, you're not going to get those reports on yeah. time from either of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, one of the other interesting things for me in the workplace now is that uh, my grandparents and my parents' generation, people came and worked uh, for 30 years in the same company. Right, right. We, we don't have people working for 30 years no, in the same company anymore. No. So instead of lifetime employment, what 
companies aim for is lifetime employability, which really means that when I leave, whenever I leave working from this organization, Mm -hmm. I'm more skilled and more employable than I was when I came. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I heard a quote from, I believe it was Seth Godin. I'm not a hundred percent sure. A couple of years ago that said something like in our parents' time, they had one job and they stayed there their whole life and retired from it with a gold watch. In our time, we probably had anywhere from three to seven different jobs. Mm-hmm. And he said, in our children's time, they're going to have seven simultaneous careers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's true now because if you look like all these millennials and young kids now, they like they, they may be working part time at a couple of different places and they're building up some business on the side with a friend and they could have two or three of those. So they're doing multiple things all at the same time now. So it's very, very different from the way things were structured, you know, even 10, 15 years ago. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, let's talk about maybe some taboo subjects that often don't get brought up in the workplace and how we handle them. Okay, Barbara? Absolutely. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Robin Cali Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking with Barbara Walters, a uh, human resources expert with many, many years in the field, talking all about sort of how to be more conscious in the workplace. Um, So we've talked about a few different things. Um, What sort of taboo subjects that we don't normally talk about in the workplace are, uh, in your perspective, kind of important to really have a, a conversation around these days? Well, I think it's interesting that um, our government gives us laws to make sure that we do the right thing because uh, naturally we we don't gravitate towards doing the right thing in the workplace. But uh, some of the laws people like to make jokes about because you can't open a book or a magazine or turn on the radio or the TV without hearing something about sexual harassment or Mm -hmm. discrimination or even bullying. And... um, we, we're more aware of it. I don't know that it's happening any more than it used to. In some right, ways, it's right. actually happening less, Sam, because right. people realize they can get into trouble for it. Right, right, right. We just hear about it much more. Right. 
But there are certain ones that are almost um, invisible. So you're really hard to detect. Uh, right. One of my clients had called me in. They had a fuel oil company. Mm-hmm. And each day the men would have a five-minute meeting in the morning mm-hmm. to talk about their goals and then head out on their trucks and deliver the fuel. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys uh, went to a resident and a dog ran out and bit him in the leg. I think he had something oh. like 18 stitches. Oh, my God. Some dog. And so he went back to his boss and he said, I'm not delivering any place where there's a dog anymore. You have to change my schedule. Uh. So every morning when this guy would show up at work for his five-minute meeting, over the PA system and in the meeting room, everybody else would start barking. Oh, you know, they thought it was funny. It's a group right, of guys. You know, right. it's like uh, a macho thing. Well, that is a form of bullying. Yeah, you couldn't yeah, yeah. really call that sexual harassment, but no, something as simple no. as that could be uh, create a workplace that's a hostile environment for another mm-hmm. person. Right, right, right. So we, we, we teach people things like that, but then you take a company that, a very famous restaurant right here in Manhattan, I won't mention the name, that put a posting on Craigslist mm-hmm. for a hostess uh-huh. and was um, captured by the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, oh. for gender discrimination because they deterred anybody who was a host from applying oh, for the job. Geez. So here you have a potential discrimination, which really wasn't, I mean, I don't know about you, but I go into restaurants, and there are some restaurants that all the servers are male. Yes, yes. There are restaurants that you go in, and the host or hostess is always a very attractive person. Right, sure. So what did this company do? They decided from now on, we are only going to advertise for greeters, now, do you think that because they aver- changed the word in their advertisement that they're actually going to <laughs> permit hosts <laughs> to apply for the job? Not necessarily, no. So part of what we see is that there are situations that are more of a, a, a nuisance claim, right? but create people to do the right thing? No. No. They're really not doing right, the right because you thing. really can't legislate good behavior. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, either someone's going to do the right thing or they're not, and and you're going to have all the legislation in the world, but you can always find ways around it. Uh, you know, you're supposed to pay your contractors, but there's some <coughs> pretty famous people who don't pay contractors and still get away. Or with at it. least allegedly. allegedly, I don't know. I haven't yeah, seen yeah, any yeah. tax returns. <laughs> right, <laughs> but we won't say who. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before also about how there there are four generations in the workplace now and and a lot of people talk a lot about the millennials but I'm, I'm more curious like the differences between all these different generations in the workplace at once I mean that's got to be a real challenge just in terms of how we work because being brought up either with or without technology just bring being brought up in just a different cultural atmosphere must you know kind of make sort of a very different um how shall I say, a, a very different perspective on work. So I'm sure when you have multi-generational workforces that that must be something very complicated to manage. Well, I think that the challenge is for whoever's leading the organization and who's right. setting the role model of what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable, right. but also in how do you appeal to and develop 
people who have all these different needs. Right. So, you know, we, we find that in this economy, to your point before about people having seven simultaneous yeah, careers, uh, careers <laughs> in this economy, uh, when so many people were out of work, we found that a lot of people returned to work for various reasons who would mm. not normally. So you have a lot of boomers right. in, in the workplace now. Uh, some of your younger people are actually underemployed, mm. but they needed a job either right. because mommy and daddy kicked them out after they graduated right. from college <laughs> or they just wanted to be on their own, but right. they can't make enough money at one job, so they do multiple jobs. So we have people who are leaving work to go to another job, Mm -hmm. uh, leaving work at the end of their work day to go to another Another job. job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have people that are close to retiring, you have people who have a whole career ahead of them, and you have people in between. Right, and then you have people who have like, you know, midlife career changes where they maybe had been in one career for, you know, 20 years, and then just had an epiphany or had something happen, a health issue or whatever, some kind of crisis happened, and they just left that behind, And they, but they still need to support themselves, so now they're starting a new career, mm-hmm. but they're 50 years old. Right. Yeah, that's difficult for people who are returning to the job market or who are taking a career change at that point because yeah. they have to position themselves in a way that makes them as marketable Right. As somebody who really studied that career their whole life, and right, uh, right, yeah, I've I've heard that that the you know one of the most difficult sort of forms of discrimination is actually ageism. That you know the 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 sexism and the racism it, it's pretty obvious and it's been legislated and it's very taken care of but when it comes especially in the technology fields that how old you are like there's just this sort of underlying attitude like if you're over 35 like you're not going to put in the same hours or try as hard or whatever how do you kind of deal with that i mean how do you if if you are someone who's older and you're in a technology field or some other field that's usually more geared towards younger people how do you position yourself so that you show that you do have something to add to the that it's a tremendous industry. tremendous challenge sam uh mm-hmm. first of all be aware of the law mm-hmm. the civil rights act of 1964 includes a provision against discriminating against anybody of a specific age ah. uh, the age that's protected is 40 plus oh okay now 40 by today's standards is certainly not old no but the reason and it, and people always answer to me the point that you brought up you know like you weren't born with technology. You're not. You didn't grow up with technology. Your your ideas are old. Mm-hmm. It's not that. They found that a lot of companies would start um, terminating people after they were about in their forties. You graduate from college. You're in your twenties. Mm-hmm. You have twenty years worth of experience. You're in your forties, and suddenly you're at a very nice level in your compensation. compensation right. So I can let you go, and I can hire two people. Right. for what I'm paying you. Right. And that's where the age discrimination actually came in. Right, right, right. But that being said, that doesn't answer the fact that why would you want to work someplace where people don't respect you unless right. you have to? Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. I mean, exactly. I think that candidates who understand what their value is will want to work in a workplace that uh, welcomes them. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And, and you know, th- there's always the, the issue people say all the time, like one of my biggest challenges as a business owner is finding good people um, to, to work here. But you have to have a, a place and an environment that will attract good people to come to work for and you. And retain them as and well. And retain them, absolutely. See, one of the nice things that they know about statistically about more mature workers is that they are very dependable and very loyal so they're not going to hop around as much as somebody who's in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, yeah. So there is a real value to including the experience and the maturity. Right, right, right. So in your upcoming book, Your Employees Did What? Mm-hmm. Seven Strategies for Transforming Workplace Performance and Ending Manager Frustration. Can you give us a, uh, just a bit of an idea of, of what are the seven strategies or just like Reader's Digest condensed version? We'll touch upon a couple of them. The, the cliff notes. Well, yeah. my first first one you know is 100% responsibility. responsibility right. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, one of my uh, strategies is sooner than later. Sooner than later. And okay. what does that mean? Well, I find that a lot of people in the workplace put up with situations until they're unbearable. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, sometimes they're almost irreconcilable at that point. Right. Because you've just let them go on too long. Right. So if a manager doesn't address poor performance then the person who's performing thinks that they're okay yeah yeah exactly uh so when they finally do address it then all of a sudden it seems like wow if you would have told me this six months ago (laughs) i could have been working on it all along you pulled the rug out from underneath me so surprises are are not generally a, a good thing right so um and i one of the ones that i mentioned before uh Feedback. Feedback, yes. Breakfast of the Champions. Breakfast of Champions. It's like not that. Wheaties, whoever is of that generation that, that remembers <laughs> yeah. that commercial. Um, holding a mirror up to people is not an easy thing to do. Mm. So I like to say that if you have spinach stuck in your teeth, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and think to myself, oh, <laughs> look at that green stuff. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> right. You know? And so what we find in a lot of organizations is that there's a once a year annual performance review or some kind of evaluation that they do. Well, once a year is not enough to let people know how they're doing. And the positive stuff, too. I mean, we're talking about poor performance, but what about good performance? Right, right. Yeah, you want to be able to retain people. You want to find out what's important to them. So the last one that I would mention to you is about motivating people. Hmm. And in your diverse workplace, you not only have people of different generations, but people of different cultures. It's not a one size fits all. Right. You know, right. women know this from pantyhose. You know, yeah. how could somebody five one wear the same size as five nine? Um, we used to use this model in executive recruiting called CLAMPS, mm-hmm. C L A M P S, mm-hmm. and each one of the letters stands for something that we would ask a candidate: take these six items and put them in the order of what's most important to you, particularly uh, your top three. Okay, and that would let us know how people. Uh, would be motivated. So mm-hmm. C is for challenge, mm-hmm. L is for location, A is for advancement, mm-hmm. M is for money, mm-hmm. P is for people, and S is for security. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important thing for managers to use with their staff okay. to find out what floats their boat. Right, right, right. I guess in a way, it's it's kind of like the more you know, the better you're able to manage expectations, right? Because sometimes you come into a situation where you have a certain expectation of what 
what the job is, what the company is, and what you're supposed to do. And the manager has an expectation of you, but those expectations, if you don't really communicate about them clearly, there's a misalignment, and then it's like, okay, you know, all of a sudden these these uh, expectations aren't met on either side, and then you have trouble. Exactly. Yeah, and what's what's frightening is that the longer you leave it, the gap gets bigger. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you were saying before is about, you know, take care of it now. Don't wait because the longer you wait, sort of the bigger, you know, what was a molehill turns into a mountain after over exactly. time. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Believe it or not, it's time for us to take our last commercial break of the show. Um, always goes so fast when we have such interesting guests. So when we come back, let's talk a little bit about how technology has changed the workplace and, and uh and employment in general. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour has been Barbara Walters, president of the HR Advantage, and we will be right back. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been talking this hour with Barbara Walters, president of the HR Advantage. So, Barbara, one of the big factors that's really changed almost every aspect in our, of our life over the last 20 years has been technology. How have you seen technology sort of change things in the workplace in terms of how we manage people and, and what's expected of us in the workplace? Well, the biggest difference that I see is in recruit in the recruiting arena. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, people will come up to me and say, I answered 200 postings oh, yeah. online and I still can't find a job. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, two of the things that I've noticed about online recruiting is that um, some people place, some companies place an ad just to gather resumes mm-hmm. for the future. Uh. So not all of them are current openings ah, I see. so while you may have responded to uh, a couple of hundred of them <laughs> you may not hear back from any of them right. the other thing is uh, when i was recruiting i would always place my um ads on career builder or monster.com mm-hmm. and as soon as i would fill the position i didn't need the ad up there any longer right. except that i paid for a year's ah. worth of postings so i might leave that ad or i might just throw up another ad so 
all ads online are not fresh ads. Right, Some of them right. are stale. And if candidates rely on that only as a way of finding a job, they're going to have a lot of frustration. Right, right. Uh, now, on the reverse side, from the company's point of view, it's a wonderful way to gather a tremendous amount of uh, potential candidates. Right. I once placed an ad for an IT consultant. I should have known better IT, right? Yeah. 4,128 responses. Oh my God. We're a two-person department. There's still no way we can go through that many resumes. So one of the things that companies do in their postings as an opportunity to have help with that is CareerBuilder and Monster.com say, give us some key language. Give us keywords mm. that we can tell you every resume we send you what percentage of that resume hit your keywords? Ah, okay. So if I'm looking for five plus years experience, I'm going to find out when I get a resume whether that actually, mm. I, so I can eliminate that one fast if it doesn't have right, that. Right, right, right. Uh, so technology and recruiting has been tremendous both for the candidate and for the so, so it's really made it much more competitive in a way because you know as a recruiter you, I mean years ago you would never get that many resumes it wasn't quite so so how do you stand out or, or how do you not so much stand out it's more like how do you let people know that you are the right fit for this job if you are the right fit when you have so much competition like that well, I always tell people the best way to find a job is to network. Ah, the magic word, networking. And network even when you have a job. Of course. Of Not course. because you're networking for a job, right. but you need to build your network. Right, you need to build the relationships. Yeah, I say that all the time. It's like you need to network when you don't need anything so that you can build the relationships and you can make deposits and the term so that then when you do need something, you've warded the flowers enough that now you can pick some flowers and, and you've built the relationships. You have the trust already there. I, I did a workshop at Baruch for... Um, um, their graduating class one year. Uh -huh. And people would say, you know, I have nothing to offer another person. How, why should I, how will I stay in touch with these people? Right. You know, aren't, why wouldn't I be a nuisance? And I said, you know, you do a lot of reading. You do a lot of reading for school mm -hmm. and you have professional magazines and you watch uh, TED Talks. Let them know if you find something that matches to what you remember about them or right. that they would be interested in. You become like the clipping service. You know, right, they don't have to right, find right, every right. article. Yeah. There's always something you can give people. And this way, when you are ready, people know who you are. Right. They don't delete your email immediately. Right. They might pass around your resume. But um, how do you stand out? Pay attention to the postings. Mm, okay. You, you will find in the posting the keywords. Ah. Give people back what you see. Okay. Research the company. Right. Find out what their mission is, right. what they're trying to accomplish as a whole, what you might be able to contribute to them as well. Right, right. So on top of the personal aspect of things, which, you know, as you're connecting and networking with people, you know, just getting to know them as a person, what are their likes and dislikes, that kind of gives you some clues of things of, you know, if they're a sports fan, you send them stuff about sports, whatever. But when you're actually going in and applying for the job and looking for it, I mean, look to see what exactly is the company asking for. You know, if they're asking for a programmer who know, who's working in a certain language and you don't do that language, maybe you shouldn't be applying. Mm -hmm. I guess the tricky part is when it's a more general. I don't know, but 
Are there more sort of general management type of positions available these days or have things gotten like so specific and so specialized that you really do need to have some specialty to to find a position? Well, there are still companies that have management development programs and take in recent graduates for potential in the future. Um, I think that it depends upon the job mark, uh, the the pool that you're pulling candidates from. If there are a lot of unemployed people, Mm -hmm. then companies can be very selective. Mm. And most companies, when they get a large response like that, will look for exactly the experience that they want. And sometimes it's an error. Yeah. Just because somebody comes from the same industry doesn't mean that they're the best candidate. Right, right, right. But when it's a very tight pool, people will accept uh, candidates that don't have the exact experience or if it's a creative company because they know that we don't want groupthink. We don't want everybody the same here. We're looking for something different that can be contributed. So we were talking before about technology. Um, You know, social media has obviously had a huge impact on technology and and all different aspects. How has technology affected the workplace? uh, Social media affected the workplace? Uh, Two very obvious ways. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, here I am. I collect resumes from people and Mm -hmm. somebody has a sexy lady at gmail.com as their <laughs> email address. So something as simple as changing your social profile when you're looking mm. for a job so that you come across as more professional. The other thing is that people who have gotten into trouble before, mm. companies are now Googling their candidates. Yeah. They're now going on Facebook. They're looking to see who your friends are. They're looking to see what kinds of things you do. Mm. You may never know. Mm. It's part of what we talked about before about people not necessarily doing the right thing. You can't legislate that. Right, right, yeah. So who you're presenting to the workplace is not only who's on your resume and who shows up for an interview. Right. Right, 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 right. And, you know, anything that you put out there, you know, they say is is out there. You can't take it back lots of times. And you may change your social profile, but, you know, if you've put some tweets out there, you've put some postings on Facebook, people can still find it. So you want to be really, really careful what you put out there. Exactly. Hmm. So what, what do you think... Uh, the trends are now like where do you see things going in the workplace are we heading towards a a more i don't know um enlightened workplace or are we going towards because things are getting so competitive sort of a more strict workplace well i think that companies that have gotten into trouble suddenly become a lot stricter uh, because they want to make sure that those kinds of things don't happen again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like to think, and I might be prejudiced myself, but as <laughs> we, we, we finally reached a point where there are more women in the workplace than uh, there are men. Wow, and, yes. you know, you, you're enlightened men, but there aren't a lot of enlightened <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you. The presence of more women in the workplace, I think, is going to have a shift. You know, like in in New York uh, City and New York State alone, um, we have this provision for nursing mothers. Ah. And I don't know if you know about that, but companies of a certain size must provide a private room for anybody who wants to express a nurse. And uh, that means a room without windows and a room that's not a toilet where Ah. we used to send people. So that's just one way. I think transgender, a lot of... Uh influence right now on transgender uh, people uh, is 
it's just creating more of an inclusiveness about the workplace. Right, right. By the way, our, our wellness center here is now listed on, um, there was a guest who came on one of the radio shows, uh, um, um, has a, a technology thing called Moms Who Pump that's like an app for, for nursing mothers to find places to come to breastfeed. And so the Double Diamond Wellness Center, our wellness center is now listed as oh, a place that congratulations. mothers can come to pump. So yeah. we're trying to be inclusive. Well, Barbara, it's it's really been a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you, how, how do they find you? Uh, well, my website, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, it's www.thradv.com, and that's for the HR Advantage. Ah, okay. Try to save people a few keystrokes. Good, good. That's always good to do. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And, and, and who do you, in general, work with? Well, in general, I'm hired by business people. So either the company that they work for, the individuals who uh, know that they need some coaching or training. Okay, great, great. And uh, your book, Your Employees Did What? Seven Strategies for Transforming Workplace Performance and Ending Manager Frustration. When will that be out? April 2017. April 2017. So everybody look for that. Where, where will people be able to find it? Amazon? Amazon, all yes. The usuals? Mm-hmm. All right, great. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's really been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. It's been great. So everybody, thank you for all the people oops, on the Facebook live stream. We had lots and lots of people um, tuning in today Um, again uh, once again I just want to give a big shout out to all the people who came to the Conscious Business Collective last week Um, it was a wonderful uh, coming out and I hope uh, people will come uh, next month our meeting will be on October 20th it's Thursday evening you can find out all about that you just go to meetup.com and do a search for Conscious Business Collective I also wanted to remind people that um, the Journey for the Soul Telesummit is going on right now and that my particular interview will air on October 2nd so you still have time to go to the website and sign up and that website, just as a reminder, is journeyforthesoulsummit.com slash Sam, S-A-M. Just go to that and uh, you'll be able to sign up for the summit. They have all kinds of great spiritual teachers and healers. And of course, me, your conscious consultant. I was interviewed as well. Vesna Maddock, uh, the woman who's running the summit, was wonderful and interviewed me. We had a great interview. So you can hear all about my story. Next week, we will have another great guest for you. Thank you all for tuning in today. Thank you for all our Facebook live stream people. Thank you, Natasia, Erica, Adi, and Joaquin, and Cheryl. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. We will talk to you next week. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. 